tweet at SAFM Radio and at John Gerica. Not sure why I'm not the host of that show, but that's fine. It's okay. It's work on a Saturday night and I don't drink. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's go to <laughs> let's go to adventurer. It's such an honor to speak to Chris Bertish, and to introduce him would take me a day and a half uh, to tell you all the things that he's done. Uh, but I do have to tell you who he is. He's just recently done an Atlantic stand-up paddleboarding crossing. It took him ninety-three days, all by himself on a stand-up paddleboard, a little bit modified. It had a whole lot of other things, so it weighed even more, and I'm sure even harder to control. But he managed his way across. Got a book out about that now he joins us now chris how is guys going good thanks very much john thanks very much for having me on the sfm my boys are a privilege thanks when did, much. when did you finish your this this 93 day adventure <laughs> a lot more than 93 days ago <laughs> <laughs> um no i actually finished this in 2017 okay. um and that was a little while back i've actually just come back from um becoming the first person to win for a cruise in the ocean which was happened about two and a half months ago between uh, California and Hawaii, over 2,500 miles, uh, another 40, what, 49 days, and raising awareness for ocean conservation, ocean health, and planting forests, and hopefully making the world a better place. Uh, you, you got this book out now, and you, you just, do you, when, you, when you're writing a book, do you, do you start getting ants in your pants about wanting to go on your next adventure? <laughs> That's a great question. <laughs> Actually, um, after finishing my first book, which was Stoked, which came out mm. in 2015, um, I promised myself that under no circumstance would I ever be stupid enough to write a second because it was such an odious and, and torturous process. Mm. Um, but the, the challenge for that was, one, I didn't expect it to do very well because I didn't I think that I was really an author. Um, two, I didn't think it would become one of the one bestsellers in South Africa. And three, I didn't expect that I was going to get messages from people all around the world for the next like three to five years mm. um, to say how much it helped them. And I realized in that process that it wasn't really about me or whether I wanted to write another book or not. It was actually realizing that it, it helped so many people and it gave people a lot of um, inspiration and a lot of courage to be able to to get through difficult times and to be able to you know help them get through crossroads and onto new paths. And I think, I think we all need a little bit of encouragement and encouraging mm. to be able to step out of our comfort zone and, and do things that um, really make us happy. And I think sometimes we all need a little bit of a, a catalyst, no matter what that is, to be able to be that change. When you write about an adventure like this, do you make notes while you're doing it, knowing that you're going to do something about it later? Yeah, so John, that's actually a really good question. And I think that's really pertinent to the transatlantic that I did, the Santa paddleboard crossing, because obviously it was over three months alone and it was such a intense and extreme um, environment that I was in all alone in this tiny little craft which is literally a meter long by like two feet longer than my normal standard paddleboard so it was like I was getting you know tossed around like a cork and you know flipped upside down and what have you so it was pretty I was in a pretty much a fight or flight um, environment in like 90% of the time which has quite an extreme effect on your mental and emotional mm. state on a regular basis besides doing the equivalent of for Ironman every single day for 93 days in sure. a row but you still have to make your own water um, your own food do your own navigation fix all the problems avoid getting run over by super tankers mm-hmm. avoid the multiple great white shark attacks the um, giant squids that are trying to take you under the ocean there were so many things there were mm. you know the leaks and stuff where you thought you were sinking that you don't really have any time to get bored you don't have time to do anything but I actually journal try to journal at least half an hour every day right. just to 
remove myself from the situation. It actually helped me escape from the environment that I was in. And it also became really, really vivid reading for the captain's logs that I was doing, that I was posting once a week on, on social media. And then it also became really great notes for myself to be able to, to go back to sort of five years later when I started writing the mm. book about it. It helped take me back into a place where my mind could remember the space that I was in, which was really, really helpful. Did you still... Did you still manage that that's a big gap five years mm. did you still manage to get across the fear that you were feeling at the time into the book <laughs> I don't think you can ever <laughs> ever really translate that fear because it's so intense mm. um, but you know we, we worked on the film for the first three years and that's why it took right. five years because the film took three years to put together which was sure. has also just come out which is called um, last known coordinates it was actually meant to be on on full-blown global cinematic release. Um, three years ago, but obviously it was right at the beginning of COVID, so all cinemas were closed, and that's why we're only starting to screen it now. Um, but it, because of me making the film, um, that helped me also unpack a lot of the situations and a lot of the feelings and a lot of the, mm. the sort of ex, ex, extreme environments and help, help me learn to be able to translate that better into a book and keep it very, very vivid, keep it very real and make it a really riveting story all the way through. And I think a lot of people also don't realize that the, that the film is a documentary. So a lot of the, a lot of the, like 80% of the footage was actually filmed by myself while I was yeah. doing that journey and <laughs> doing the paddling and doing the navigation and, <laughs> and trying to still stay alive. So there were a lot of situations where I was actually literally just trying to stay alive and wasn't actually focused on the filming. Mm. So... So an immense amount of the actual journey that was really the extreme part is not in the film because I was filming at the time and you can't make it in a documentary, remake it um, to be something that you can have a footage with. So that's all in the book. And I think that's what makes the book so so special. It's that the film is literally like the tip of the iceberg right. of what the, the book was about. And, you know, I've only launched it, the book about six days ago and we've already sold out of the first print run and we go oh. doing another one and it's already topped the sort of the top five bestsellers across Wordsworth and exclusive books all around the country, which is pretty phenomenal. I think especially because I was very worried as a author that my second book wasn't going to live up to the reputation yeah. of my first, as, as we all worry about when, especially when your first book is the whole of your life. And then your second book is like, the next six years, it's very difficult to be able to make a, 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 a very impactful book. But I, I think the story being so impactful and inspiring, I think it was a little easier to be able to do that. Uh, you, you said you're not an author, but I was watching a talk between Stephen King and George R. R. Martin today, who, yes. who I'm going to say are authors, and they, they know it. Yes. And Stephen King <laughs> yeah. was saying he can he only does six pages a day. I mean, six clear pages. It's not like manuscript wow. stuff, you know. Uh, did okay. did you do a little more than six pages a day when you were writing them? Um, well, I, I'm I'm really not. A, I would never consider myself to be a, a proper author, even though I apparently am. I just I'm very unique in everything right. that I do, and I think the way I write is, is also very unique. I literally just take my captain's, like I take my notes that mm. I've done, and then I expand on the notes, and then I take, and then I work out where I'm, where I'm, where I'm lacking, and then I do voice notes, and I transcribe them with, with Otter AI, which then transcribes my voice notes into, mm. into, into text, and then I fill in all the gaps, and then once I fill in all the gaps, then I, 
put them into chapters and then I try and weave it into a story. Um, and then I look at how much I've got and if I've got too much or if I've got you know too little and then I try and eat a piece in the gap. So I try and take out things where they don't flow and then I try and string it all together. Mm. And then once I've strung it all together, then I look at it and see if I've got you know, we, if we've got too much information and then I have a very, very good editor that I, that helps uh, me get it in to make it flow into a, a really succinct story and take out all the repetitions that I have because apparently I have a lot. <laughs> um, <laughs> so it's all about having a good editor is what I'm saying. All about the editor. <laughs> um, I'm just looking at your the, the team that works with you and, and this one in particular, I'm looking yes. at the Wing Project that you talk about. Yes. Uh, you've actually numbered them from up to 21. Uh, you've, wow. It, it, it sounds like uh, it's you on a, on a paddleboard by yourself, which it is, and no. it's, it's an amazing task. But how important is the team, the, the planning, the strategies, the weather people, all those things? You know, the, the, I think that's a really important one. I think, you know, when I, was, when I was surfing big waves and competing on the World Tour, like competing in these big events, then it was really more about you and just, you know, it was more of a solo sport. But as soon as I, I sort of transitioned into these bigger adventures, then you realize that, like, there's a famous saying that says, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far mm-hmm. and make enormous impact, build a great team and have a great team behind you. And I, I couldn't have put it better in any way, shape, or form because you are as good as your team behind you. And even though these kind of journeys are super immense and they see one individual achieving this extraordinary goal that seems seemingly impossible to most humans, it actually takes a team and it takes a village and it takes a community and it takes many years just to get to the start line. And that's why I always say the power of the start is very important. Like just getting to the start line, mm-hmm. I applaud anyone that gets to the start line of starting a book or starting a marathon or starting their own company or any great adventure because the journey to just getting to the start is a, as big an effort and as a bigger feat as the journey itself. Mm. My guest is Chris Burtish, legend, wave surfer, adventurer, multiple Guinness World Record holder. How many world record holders or Guinness World Records do you have now? I think there must be about five world records and I think about two or three Guinness World Records. But okay. uh, yeah, I mean, mm. you know, the nice thing about it is across a couple of different sports and I think, mm. you know, I speak all over the world um, inspiring audiences to believe in themselves and what's possible and their greatest potential. And I think the, the caveat is that you don't have to just do and be good at one thing. You can actually be good at anything you set your mind to as long as you stay focused, determined, and you persevere and you do things consistently over time and you never give up. You always achieve anything you want in life, even the seemingly impossible. It's lovely to get those records, Chris Burtish, but you do this for a reason. Why do you go and put life and limb on, on, on the line to be able to and, and come back and tell us these stories? Well, I mean, everything that I do is always just used as a platform to be able to inspire positive change and to be able to give back to ocean conservation, ocean health, lift up other kids that don't have um, the opportunity to do so, pay for operations through Operation Smile, pay for lunch boxes through lunchbox, the lunchbox fund, and then pay for ocean education through the Ocean Aquarium, Education Foundation, Mind Foundation, which is the Chris British Foundation, and then also to raise awareness on ocean health and ocean conservation through Sea Shepherd and Conservation, which we actually donate um, thousands of dollars to every project um, and then we plant um, two and a half thousand trees to be a, an example of positive change and the change that we all want to see in the world today and the future. Let's fit that in amongst the book writing and the adventures. <laughs> I never have a lot of time to relax. Really. <laughs> what, what's your next adventure, Chris? Um, 
just trying to get through the next year or two and, and working on the next two books that I've actually got, which are, <laughs> oh, no. which are going to help people mm-hmm. a lot. Um, they're more on the psychology side and, and like a toolkit for life of how to get through difficult and challenging times and how to thrive through, through change. Um, those, that's sort of the next two years launching this book in, in South Africa, launching it in America and mm-hmm. Europe and working on the next two books. And then in 2025 and 2028, I've got two really big projects that go around the world and, and um, tap into the 17 social development goals of the UN to change the world and be an example of change and plant forests and build schools and mm-hmm. make the world a better place. Just quickly, while we're talking about the, the ocean, when you were out in the middle of nowhere, and you literally mm-hmm. were, uh, is there still plastic and pollution and, and, and things in the sea when you're out that far? So, John, I think that's a really important question. And the, the Wing Project actually was a, a project that, that really brought to the fore how dramatic the, the the plastic pollution and ocean pollution crisis is. Um, I never realized how bad it was until I just did the Trans-Pacific mm. because the amount of ocean pollution that was out there, not only plastic, but polystyrene pollution and packaging from especially the seafood companies, I think, um, really was, was really terrifying. Mm. It was probably tenfold what I saw on the Atlantic six years ago, yeah. which was really, really scary. And it made me realize like how how challenging the problem is out there and how much action we really need to take in order to be able to curve the the crisis and to be able to find solutions and make um, the change that we want to see through policy, through big business, through parliament, through government, through regulations, and, it, and everybody making a difference through the decisions and the purchases they make each and every day in some small way. We, we, we don't use a straw because we saw the straw in the turtles' noses. But when, when the big boys are getting involved, what can, what can you and I do? Well, not you. What well, can I do? <laughs> well, I, th- I think that's a really good question. So each and every day we are faced with, as humans, with like thousands of decisions that we, that we make. And I think it's all about, one, having the awareness so that every single time when you go shopping, you choose to do the right thing and make the right choices, make the right impact, like whether it be choosing to buy sustainably, choose to support B Corp certified companies, choose to make sure that you look at the packaging, that it's all not single-use plastics and single-use packaging, but recycled, making sure that you're not using plastic bags, making sure that you get involved in beach cleanups and donate to and support companies that are doing the right thing for people and for planet. And I think each and every day, in some small way, we can make an impact. And collectively, if everyone does that, we can make massive impact all around the world when we collaborate together for the right reasons and, and um, same common goal and vision. All right, Chris, what's the name of the book? Where can we find it? <laughs> Thanks very much. The name of the book is called All In. And that's sort of how I live my life and how I believe that if you want to be successful at anything, you need to be all in what you believe in, and you can get that in exclusive books at um, Wordsworth all around the country, or you can get online on Amazon. All right, another book I have to go and get. Chris Bertish, thank you very much. SA legend, wave surfer, ocean adventurer, multiple Guinness World Record holder. The book is called All In. Uh, it sounds like a, a scary read, if not anything. Uh, as he said, targeted by the great white shark, towed by a giant sea squid, capti- capsized multiple times, and surfing down 10-meter waves. Standing up on a paddleboard. Sure. You were there, SAFM.